Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the only podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. There are podcasts where other people beat dead horses 1d6 damage at a time, but this is the only podcast where we do it. This week, we are reviewing The Great War of Magellan, a sci-fi space adventure starring Richard Hatch, or at least written by him, the original star of the 1970s Battlestar Galactica. Is it as good as that kind of pedigree promises? Maybe. Let's find out on today's System Mastery. sounds like we cut out a lot of other great content and it like sells that to people oh yeah i mean it's it's almost like we like each other and we have natural conversations no we totally have natural conversations i think we had one of those like a few days ago remember we we totally had a regular natural conversation about a topic remember when we enjoyed each other's company we shared a meal we broke bread and conversed i don't understand why we would break bread instead of just eating it well, you know, sometimes you got that bread and you're like, fuck you, bread. Yeah, and then you break you. it. And then you roll the inside of it into a cool little ball. And, and, then, then, and then you call up the uh, the manufacturer and you're like, hey, your bread's broken. I want free bread in exchange for this broken bread. Yeah. That's, yeah, okay. Hey, you want to talk about uh, the Great War of Magellan? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd basically like to have this shitty conversation for a little while longer. <laughs> I wish our dumb, contrived conversation about bread could just last forever. Oh, it is a treat and a delight for all of my senses. <laughs> no, but for reals, though, do you think we should maybe talk about the Great War of Magellan? I don't know, because that's sort of a misleading name for it, considering it's not really about a great war. It's like there was a great war, and now there's just some dudes. And none of those dudes have names? No. Except for Richard Hatch. The old Dick Hatch. So, this book is written by Richard Hatch, who played Captain Apollo on the original 1970s Battlestar Galactica. Uh, although, the amount of it that was actually written by him is probably a matter of some dispute, because it was also written by someone named, uh, let's see here, Jonathan Bjork? Ah, yes. I love Bjork's game writing. It's wonderful. He... Has a system based entirely on nickels and the sounds they make. Inside of, like, dryers and ovens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is a vanity project for a guy, for Richard Hatch. And apparently at some point, this was part, like, the spearhead of a potential media empire based around the concept of the Great War of Magellan. Yeah, oddly enough, normally when you get an RPG, it's used to uh, bake bake yes it's yeah, used to, bake. to bake normally you, you, usually you want to bake bread with this look We're back to bread <laughs> in fact welcome to the bread cast <laughs> preheat your role-playing game to 425 degrees no it's used to make a bunch of uh like just free pl publicity wow i am fucked up today i should, <laughs> you doing I should all right not there? get drunk before we do this <laughs> although actually i do some of my best podcasting when i'm drunk <laughs> that's true you do in fact i think i might go get drunk before we continue <laughs> And now, intermission. Hello has been drinking. My nectar is asleep. And the combo went back to New York. The jukebox says to take a leak. And the carpet needs a haircut. 
Once again, hooray! All right, I've gotten the fat meat out of my mouth. I can speak now. And I'm six sheets to the wind. Hooray! By which I mean I've had a single sip of SoCo. <laughs> yep, and now you're so drunk. Oh, it's ridiculous how drunk I am. <laughs> uh, so yeah, normally, as I was saying, uh, a role-playing game will come out after a property is mm-hmm. out. And it's just advertising for it, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's just extra licensing stuff. I mean, it's an attempt to cash in a little more on an existing property. But this is like an ad for a future TV show, is what this book is. Yeah, they are using a role-playing game as the spear point for, here's what we're doing. First, our plan is to put out this RPG, and that's going to make everyone love our property, and then we'll put out a TV show for them to consume. So, here's the thing. It's really hard to find these days because it's old and people would love to bury it. But there wasn't a single trailer made for this. One One single trailer. One trailer that's as far as they ever made for the Great War of Magellan, the media like Empire property, like the attempt to make it into a TV show. Yeah, and that was included on the CD that came with this because... I don't know why people randomly are like, you also need a CD for this, but sure, whatever. The weird thing is, and, and I've seen it, and I know John has seen it. The weird thing about watching it is it has nothing to do with this sh- this book at all. The villains don't have the same names. The heroes don't have the same names. Everyone has tattoos that are not mentioned in this book. Yeah, you'll occasionally see in the art in the book those tattoos show up for certain people. Yeah. But other than that, it was just, oh, here's a trailer for a show that's basically just Battlestar Galactica again. Yeah, or kind of like... Imagine if first season Babylon 5 had even worse CGI. Yeah. That's kind of what you're looking at. It's mostly just dudes with swords on shitty looking planets yelling at each other about honor. Yeah, I mean, I would have been angrier at the effects in this, but then we watched Food Fight. Now I'm like, oh, that's okay. Oh, this is gorgeous. (laughs) Look at that. I can't wait for this movie. (laughs) None of these are potato testicles. (laughs) Ah, yes. Okay, so... So basically, the premise of this game is not that there is Magell- Magellan's not involved anyway, and also there's no actual war. Yeah, when you see the Great War of Magellan, you're like, oh, who's Magellan? Is this, like, taking place in the past, and, like, Magellan circumnavigates a war? And <laughs> Yeah, he circumnavigates a war with a hundred-foot clipper. <laughs> and then he circumcises the world with the same one. No, anyway, the, the uh, basic premise is that it's set in the Magellanic Cloud, which is a galaxy. And so out there, you have... In the fields. Yeah. You have a weird mythology to it in that you have an ancient race of basically superhumans that were like, oh, we have magic powers and we're super enlightened and then we're going to leave. Again, this is just Babylon 5. Yeah. Because that's how Babylon 5 was. It was always about how, oh, there were these people who came before and they had powers and... They had a big shadow war with super shadows, and the only ones left are these dudes in suits that won't talk. Yeah, so in this, it's like there was humans, and they had an amazing society, and it's sort of like their Atlantis. Yeah. It's just, there's a bunch of humans, and they were super great, but then they all left, mysteriously. Yeah, they all took off, and then they left behind, a, 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 now they are being reborn into this new world of chaos and war. And so you got a bunch of normal humans on one planet that then eventually spread to a bunch of different planets and Mm -hmm. 
being on different planets turned them into whole new species because uh, that's uh, what happened. That's elves. That's, that's yeah. how elves work. They're all <laughs> sub-racing out. Yeah, it's, oh, we went to some planet and it's got a lot of water, so all of a sudden we've become mermaids. And you're like, all right, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, whatever. We went to a low-graph planet, so now we have wings sticking out of our backs. Yeah, that's that's how that works. You wouldn't just be taller. You'd have wings. That makes perfect <laughs> Re- sense. Retractable wings, by the way. The, the cyber, cyberlings or cybelling? The, the, the cyblings. The cyblings have retractable wings that are as big as they are. So I'm not sure where they're retracting to exactly. Like I don't know. Ha- you... You've seen Legends of Tomorrow or The Flash? God, Legends of Tomorrow. Those wings are the worst part about it by a mile. Hawkman looked better on Smallville. Oh, yeah. No, you look at the the Hawkman, Hawkwoman, and you're like, ooh, ooh, the only reason your wings are retractable is because anytime they are out, you're like, oh, that's that's terrible. Let's oh, that, put those away. That looks bad. I like how they retract like instinctively, too, so that when they fall down, they don't have to animate the, the appearance of a wing like hitting the ground or anything. So they just get knocked down and all of a sudden they just don't have wings. Yep. Why did they why did they bother? Why didn't they just give them like magic wings that look like they're made of magic? You know, just put some fire out behind them or something and be like, yeah, they have firehawk wings. Don't even worry about it. When they get knocked down, the fire goes out. It's fine. <laughs> Getting so angry about DC's Legends of Tomorrow here on the Legends of Tomorrow cast. <laughs> Okay, let's just keep going then. Fuck Legends of Tomorrow. How come Rip Hunter and Vandal Savage are the worst characters on their own show? Okay, you know what? The most annoying thing about that show to me is, is they took Leonard Snart, Captain Cold, and they're like, we're going to put you on this show. You're going to be a main character. And they took his gun, and it basically is just a a knockback system. Because he hits someone with his cold gun, and it just knocks them away. Yeah. It doesn't freeze anything. It it's, doesn't do shit. It's the same thing with Heat Wave's gun. Yeah, Heat Wave's like, oh, I hit you with this giant fire flamethrower thing. And all it did is knock you away. You fell down. Yeah. What, what the hell is that? What happened? That's the most annoying. Give me at least one shot of a guy getting frozen. Yeah. No, it, it's just weird what's happened on that show. I, I'm, I am disappointed. Yeah. Anyway, back to this fucking great war <laughs> Back to another Magellan. disappointment. Oh, God. Okay, so... Yeah, humans have spread out to a variety of planets, and on those planets, when they settled there, they evolved into new forms of humans that now all interact in a sort of galactic society. Although, it's mentioned that when the humans land on these planets and evolved there, they all had to redevelop technology. So, apparently, they they were knocked back out of the space age for a while until they all evolved back up into it. Which is, again, super weird that you'd be like, oh yeah, we uh, we took these spaceships, went to a planet, and then apparently just dropped them off like the kids at the pool. We're just like, here you go, man. This is your planet. You get nothing. Get out. Yeah. And then meanwhile, there's an evil race of angel monsters that are like ghosts from another dimension (laughs) that can possess people and make them act all bad. Well, yeah, because originally the, uh, the various societies of the races and everything... They got along fine, and you had a great council of the races and everything. Mm-hmm. And the Kataean were super spiritual, and they had, like, priest leaders named Shevins. Mm-hmm. And they... And there were Mana Shevins. Yeah. And the Mana Shevins <laughs> got real drunk. <laughs> I'm sure they did. But they uh, got some sort of, like, oh, if we concentrate hard enough and go into a trance, we can contact what we think are spirit guides. But instead of spirit guides, it's strange, evil shadow beings that were banished to another dimension that have 
an insane amount of knowledge about genetics and technology for no reason. Yeah, that is sort and of also weird. magic powers because they have an, uh, the Nephilim, as they are called, because whoever wrote this book had no imagination. How many times? How, how sick are you of seeing Nephilim as the main good guys or bad guys in a book? You know what? I don't. I don't mind so much if it was like, okay, that's it. It was just the Nephilim. That's all. Because the rest of them are all stupid, made up sci-fi names. It's for true. Everything. The rest of them are like the Missouri and the Grolnians. <laughs> the Missouri and the Illinois. <laughs> So the bad guys are the Catan, which have been possessed by the Nephilim. Sort of. Well, the sh... Okay. Here and we there's go. A, there's another here's, guy here's, in there. Here's the thing. There's the uh, Catan are the race, the Shevin are the priest class, and they're the ones who have been mostly possessed. Yeah. Uh, then they created a microorganism that they thought, before they got fully possessed and became, like, 100% evil, uh, the spirit guides were like, here's the thing you can make. It'll make it so that humanity no longer wants to fight and everyone will get along because their whole thing was they were searching for peace. And it turns out they were tricked and the microorganism just makes you into a vessel for Nephilim mm -hmm. so it's easier for them to possess you and also makes you hyper-aggressive. And there's the Druak. Yeah, which are like demons, basically. Because they were a nice race and the microorganism turned them into like basically fucking xenomorphs yeah they're basically but they to my, to my they look like the winged broadkill from rifts they're like big multi-armed big wing toothy demon monsters yeah so they're just they're just bad monsters that show up if you use your powers too much so what happened was the Catan fought i think it's the siren and they were like okay that was the big war and that was what the great war of magellan was yeah and the siren although we haven't really mentioned them at all yet are klingons and i don't feel like we need to say anything else yeah and so because of that war that's why they tried to make this shenanigans microorganism and then we as like readers and players come in after this mm -hmm. so the war is over except now there's a giant evil empire mm-hmm but there's, they haven't conquered anyone. All of the other races are still around. They all have their planets. Except for the Siren, which are now kind of just spacefaring. And so it's it's weird because instead of it being like, yeah, there's some conflict that's going on and you need to do that. It's just, I don't know, they're evil people, whatever. Yeah, I, I think they wanted to leave it in a place where it would be, you know, you could set adventures and be like, oh, there's whispers of a, of a monster over in this sector and you have to go there and fight whatever except 90 percent of what the book tells you like oh maybe you'll set your adventure doing this or that is all based on being a traitor it's like oh you'll maybe be in the cartel or the traitors league or i'm like yeah. I, man if i wanted handlers. to do that i would play fucking traveler get out of here yeah it is kind of it's one of those no class games by which i mean that it doesn't use a class system and also because it or additionally, it's one of those games that doesn't really have a good premise. Like, there's a really cool story happening with all these... I mean, I'm going to say it's a very derivative, but cool story of, oh, evil angels possess people and they turn into evil people or they fight the good people. Okay, great. Uh, but the there's no thrust. There's nothing you can really do about the the Nephilim and the and the Druak and the and the Shiv, Shivan or whatever. Yeah. Because they're unbelievably powerful. They're way better... They're all high-level enemies, is yeah. the thing. It's like... It's like if you're like, all right, let's play D&D. &D. The only monsters that we gave you in this book are dragons. Yeah, the problem is the you look at the starting stats even for like a Shevin or a Druak or whatever, and they will murder you 
if you get near them. And then you look at their weapons, and it's the exact same thing. Your weapons, you start in this game with, like, a, a pistol and a sword. Oh, yeah, you'll have, like, a slug thrower, yeah. and you're like, I've got a pistol, yeah, I'm I'm a cool guy, maybe I'll do damage to a guy. And then fucking Druak shows up, it's like, what does he do? Oh, he hits you with a fucking razor metal energy chainsaw, and it does 50 million damage, and you can take five. So, yeah, five good before job. you're dead. So there you go. That was what happened. Ugh. Or he throws one of their grenades at you, which is a grenade that just stays exploding forever. Yeah, there you go. It's just a pulse grenade that continues to pulse grenade damage until he tells it stop. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make... There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no safe adventure to go on. There's ultra super demons, and then you start as a farmer. Yeah. Okay, let's... Let's get into the actual stats for this. Sure. Let's talk about the stats for the game, because there are quite a few, actually. Yeah, so you've got uh, a bunch of things that are going to be split into three categories for all of them. Yes, there's... Uh, so I, you've got your physical, mental, and spiritual stats. Yeah, and I think they're called performance and resisting. Well, yeah, you've got your performance stats, and yeah. those are what you're going to use to actually accomplish something. Yeah. So for physical, you have agility and strength. Yeah. Uh, for mental, you have your intellect and your reason. Mm -hmm. And for your spiritual, you have discernment and spirituality. Yes. So you use those for various things. Uh, depending on what it calls for, you'll roll a different uh, stat. And there's 113 skills in this. So there are a million different ways you can use them. Which is fine. I mean, if you think about it, because this is a huge game. That's the problem we're running into. There are three categories of stats, each one of which contains six more stats. Yeah, so... So you have 18 statistics at the start. Yeah, so you start out and you're like, all right, here are my performance stats. I've got okay, six of those. That's not bad. Six stats, that's that's normal. Then you get your resist stats, which are your defense stats. If someone tries to do something to you, you can resist with those, and they all are half rounded up of each of those stats. Right. So, like, you get reflexes, which is half agility, or endurance, which is half strength. Yeah. Uh, and you have conviction and willpower for mental, and wisdom and core for spiritual. Yeah. And then finally, you have critical stats, which is your last block of stats. And there's less of these. There's only three. So instead of having 18 stats to start, you have 15. Yeah, because the critical stats are the average of your uh, performance stat in each category. Yes. So, for example, you have system for your physical uh, your physical stat, which is the average of your agility and strength. Yeah, and then you have your average of intellect, reason is stability, and discernment and spirituality turns into your purity. Uh, critical stats are sort of the uh, active defense, because your resist or defensive stats are just penalties essentially to someone else trying to hurt you because that's where we have to talk about the core mechanic of this game which yeah. is you roll a d20 and you have to roll under your own performance stat and higher than your your yeah under your own performance stat and above your target's resistance stat yeah you're trying to get within a range within so a if i've got say a, an agility of 12 mm -hmm. and someone else has an evasion uh, skill and their reflexes and they combine it and they get say a 6. Mm -hmm. So now I have to get between a 7 and 12 essentially in order to actually do something. On an unmo otherwise unmodified D20. Because yeah. the modifications occur to the two ends of that range. So for example let's say you have an agility of 12 and you have the skill of hitting dudes with your fist. 
which you have a rank of one in. So that adds one to your performance stat. So you go, okay, I'm going to punch you. I have an agility of 12. I add one because I'm punching. And then there are, are other bonuses that exist in this game that are results of like the flow of combat and so on. So you can be like, all right, I have, a, I have an agility of 12, but I'm punching you with a performance stat at the moment of 14. So I have to roll under a 14 to hit you. What is your defense? And they go, okay, well, I can choose to defend with either reflexes or endurance. I would choose one or the other based on which one's higher. And if I choose to soak a punch, then I can punch harder when I return. Versus if I punch with reflex, I'm easier to, or I'm, I, it's harder for me to hit you next time. There's all these sub rules built into it, but they'll eventually set, give you a static value. Like, oh, uh, with all my things titled up, it's eight. And you say, okay, I have to roll between nine and 14 to hit. Yeah. Now, the average human in this, also known as a Chironian. Yes, a Chironian. Tens in all of their stats. Yep. So and you're you're at a 10 in everything, and then you have a plus or minus 3 that you'll roll randomly for each stat using your d20. That's right. There's a table for that's like stat is unchanged, stat gets plus 1, stat gets minus 1, that you roll a d24. So yeah. Yeah, so you'll have a little bit of a variance. Mm-hmm. So you might be slightly better or slightly worse in any given stat. But for the most part, you can assume being a regular human, you'll have about a 10 in something. Yeah. And let's say you have two points in a skill that brings you up to a 12. So you're like, okay, I'm, I'm decent. I'm halfway. Okay. at something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for a defense stat, you're looking at, again, most people will have about a five mm-hmm. because it's going to be half that 10. And then if they have any defensive skill, let's go ahead and just bump it up to a six. Mm-hmm. And if they have any cover at all, it will go from a plus one to a plus three. So in cover, let's say they go ahead and go straight to a uh, an eight. So you have to roll a nine, ten, eleven, or twelve on a d twenty, which is a twenty percent chance to hit. Yeah, on it, average, it basically means if you look at it in a normal game terms, it would be if you had to roll a sixteen plus to hit someone yeah. in D anD D. Which at that point, if you had a character that was like, oh, I have to roll a sixteen or greater to hit someone you would be going, oh man, my guy sucks, or I'm fighting something way too difficult. Yeah. But in this, the sample fight they give is with a bartender, and the bartender's like, oh yeah, well he's got a resist stat of five, and he's behind a counter, so he gets plus three, so he's at eight, and you're trying to hit him with an 11. Okay, awesome, I have to roll a nine through 11 you to hit you. You have a three in chance to hit this guy. Wonderful. This is real fun. And then the worst part about that is it's like, oh yeah, and he hits them. And the result is you, what you would imagine. You just <laughs> yeah. record the result. <laughs> One of my favorite things in this book is that you have to really search to figure out what damage does. I, I mean, we know I, what damage I came over, does. I came over today with the book, having read it, and was like, hey, Jeff, I don't know how to deal damage. I've read this book front to back, and I don't know how to do it. Well, because the and, and the answer is that they only mention how damage is dealt once, which is in one of the skills in the skill section, which is a uh, physical attack, blunt force combat has a uh, a thing that says punch a guy. A, a successful execution of this action deals one point of damage, plus the point the, the bonus damage you get from whatever weapon you're wielding. That's uh, a blunt force punching attack. So I guess if you had like like uh, power fist on or something, you would modify that, but. The thing is that for like the next 30 pages of skills, it's just physical combat, weapon style damage attack. And then it just says, he has the same skills as blunt force damage attack. So you have to go back and read page 102 again to see the one spot in the book that tells you how damage is dealt in this thing. And given that there is a hundred pages devoted to skills, 
And again, 113 of them I counted, and each of them gets at least a paragraph. Whereas something like, say, super important to the game, agriculture, gets a page and a half, and then advanced agriculture gets another page. And the reason it works like that, like some of the most important skills in this book get a single paragraph, because all they say is like, piloting vehicle or piloting space vehicle see piloting regular vehicle it has the same basic abilities yeah so all the weird crap that you'd use normally it's you know okay i want to shoot a guy or i want to drive a vehicle or i want to be able to detect something or i want to know about something okay those are all little paragraphs that say see the base skill i don't know why we made 113 of these like science And zoology and all of these other things are, look at the scholar skill. And the scholar skill is just, you can know about something. Yeah, it's it's very clunky. I mean, I'm looking at the agriculture skill right now, which is three pages of skill. And it starts with agriculture, development point cost one. That's how much of your XP points you have to spend to develop a point in agriculture. Almost every skill in the book, unless it's a magic thing, like an actual magical effect, has a development point cost of one. Uh, But it starts with uh, uh, two paragraphs about what agriculture is, which... By the way, can we can we get agree as game designers in the future that people know what the skill words mean? Yeah, I mean, unless you are making something up or the way you use it in the game is different. Like if they go, agriculture, in this game, you can use plants to do something you normally can't. You'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. Then tell me what agriculture means. Agriculture. Characters of this skill have a knowledge of low-tech agricultural techniques that allow them to cultivate the local vegetation, especially vegetation that is used for food, clothing, or drom. By the way, the word drom, I, I don't think I saw it again in the book. I did. Yeah? It's beer. Oh, okay. Drom is just alcohol. Oh, okay, great. So anyway, tells you what agriculture is. And then it goes into identify plants. This is about a page by itself about how you can identify plants with your agriculture skill. Analyze soil. Guess. Plant crops. About a page of plant crops. And then finally, harvest crops. About another half page here dedicated to harvest crops. Then we get into agriculture high tech, which is going to last you the next three pages. And it's the exact same stuff that it just said, except they appended a, this is the skill to do whatever. You need an ag scanner to use this. So apparently... Advanced agriculture is just harder because it does the exact same things with the exact same chances for success and failure, but you need a special tool. Yep. It's, what is this? It's agriculture, but I get a little scanning tool for my agriculture, and now I can tell if my crops are over 9,000. <laughs> I guess. So anyway, it just goes on like that. And and then, I mean, we're talking, the next skill in the book is fucking architecture simple, and then rolling right into architecture advanced. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. And the other thing to note about your resolution system in this is, one, everything is D20 based. There's nothing in this book that isn't a D20. Yeah. And you roll a special die every time you roll anything. Yeah, every time you make any attempt to resolve a skill or action in some way, you roll an extra D20. Yeah, and this uh, extra D20 will occasionally make something special happen. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't... Uh, inform your role at all. So your main D20 is going to be, okay, this decides whether I hit or miss or whatever. But if you roll a number given on any given thing, it's different for all of them. Like sometimes it's if you roll a 2 or an 18 or a 14 or a 12 or an 8 or whatever. Yeah. On your special die, then something can happen. And usually for skills, 
there's a you succeed really well or you fail really bad. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now so I can give you an example. Firefighting. Yes, firefighting is just a skill by itself in this game. Oh, yes. Good. Special results. Seven. Hit the spot. The firefighting attempt is very effective and takes the life out of the fire in a nine meter square area. Fourteen. Something the would-be firefighter has done was a major mishap and has ended up making the fire worse. The attempt is unsuccessful and the fire fire automatically spreads twice during that turn. See action scenes, fires. Yeah, and it's weird because the failure mechanic ones for those extra extra dies feels like, okay, I can succeed at my roll, but then if I rolled, say, a 14 on the weird die then, oh no, I actually failed, and everything gets fucked up. And it doesn't tell you how to inter- how to deal with that situation. But the other thing is, it also doesn't say, like, if I failed the roll, but the special die was that you actually did great, did I succeed? Right, there's no interaction between the special die and the fact that you're actually rolling a skill roll when you do this shit. It doesn't make any sense. And that's just one of the firefighting special dies, because that's just if you're using your extinguish fire skill built into firefighting. If you were using your determined cause... Then an eleven on the wild uh, on your special die would result in wild goose chase. The firefighter is certain about where the fire started and how. Unfortunately, he is completely wrong. And you're the one rolling this, which means there's one that is uh, the detection skill, where it's basically Sherlock Holmesing around and finding clues. Yeah. And if you roll one of the results is uh, you think you found everything, but you didn't, and you will leave unless someone tells you to keep looking. I'm like, yeah, but everyone saw that you rolled the 14 or whatever on your special die, which means someone in your party is going to go, hey, man, why don't you keep looking? And then you'll just roll again and who cares? But then it's a weird mechanic that when I first saw it, I went, oh, that's kind of interesting in that there are special effects that might happen. I love the old wild mage from D&D, so the idea that I could roll something and something goofy would happen is great. If, if that was the case, it would be, but it, mostly it's disappointing because there are like 113 skills and the vast majority of them special die is you super succeed or you super fail. Yep. Every once in a while, there'll be one that has like five results, but it's mostly just four ways that you super fail. But even then, it's also just, it's a roadblock to trying to play the game. Yeah. Because you're going to try and play this game and you're like, okay, I rolled to hit this guy and I... I actually succeeded. Holy shit. What do you know? That's amazing because normally you will never do anything. And then you look at your special die and you have to go, oh, hey, each species has its own vulnerability chart. And the vulnerability chart is, did you get hit and do damage? If on the special die, you rolled one of these five numbers, then you hit them in a special place. So you hit them in the leg and you break their leg or you hit them in the head and you stun them. Yeah. Which means every attack, every skill... Everything you do, you need to roll to see if you succeed or fail, and then check a chart. And the chart is different. It's not like, okay, every time you roll a 2, you succeed. Every time you roll a 14, you fail. It's, oh, well, what skill were you using? Were you trying to construct a lean-to? Ah, well, in that one, did you roll a 5 or a 17? Ah, god damn it. Yeah, it's very unusual. And every one of the races has its own special where-did-you-hit-them chart. A lot of the humanoid races that you can play as use the same one. Well, yeah, so if you're playing as, like, I'm a regular human, or I'm a Darwinian Klingon, or whatever it is. Actually, we'll just go through the races. Yeah, why don't we get that done? Okay, so we already have the human-slash-Chironians. We mentioned the Catan, which are sort of the main villains of this. 
Yeah. And their special effect is they are psychic vampire and the Borg rolled into one. Right. So they have psychic powers that they can kind of read minds. They're vampires because they can drink blood and gain skill points from that. Yeah. And they're also the Borg because if they bite you, they pass the microorganism that is in them onto you. And then you get infected with it and become like possessed by Nephilim or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And they also can steal skills by eating parts of people. Like if they eat a little bit of your blood or like part of your brain. Well, if they, they can... if they drink it, then they get that. And then there's the, uh, the Druak, which are the cannibal ones that have to eat you to yeah. get well, their no, shit. Well, no, Catan have it. Catan have a skill absorption power. If you eat your brain matter, they have a resistance skill of zero to pick up some of your skills and oh, steal yeah, it. Oh yeah, because they can also get your skills even if they just kiss you. Yeah, that just by kissing you, it's very difficult for them. Which they... means the best thing you can do in this game is have a party of all Catan, everyone put points into different skills, and then fuck each other until everyone gets to their full levels of points. Right, because there's multiple... That's a common mistake in this book alone, let alone in old game design of giving players ways to just sort of take skills from each other. Well, yeah, because there was also uh, the AI. AIs yeah. are another thing, and they have the special ability of if someone has the computer programming skill, they can program you with other skill points, and it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. You don't have to spend points on it. They just download skills into you, and now you know Kung Fu. And there are certain skills in this game that you can pass on to other people by just going over and using the skill on them. Higher Calling is the big one, which I know you're going to want to talk about. Yeah, but... Uh, let's get through the races. Yeah. So we've got Siren, which are just Klingons. We've got Bakruni... Which are Aquaman. Well, hold on. I, I actually want to go through some of these. Because oh, the, sure. the Siren are not just Klingons. They're weird Darwinian Klingons in that they are all about survival of the fittest and will straight up murder their uh, children if they're not strong enough. Yeah. And as well, they have a uh, disease immunity except to the microorganism from the Catan. Yeah. And they have the power of the evil eye or intimidation. And what it is, is they look at you, and if they maintain eye contact with you for any amount of time, they can just make you shit your pants and run away. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get away from them, like if you're in a locked room, then you just end up becoming their bitch. Like, if it's an animal, you just become their pet. If you're another uh, human or sentient race, then you end up just becoming their, like, lackey. Yeah. Which means, again, if you have a party of these guys, you go, what do you do? Oh, I meet with some guy and I lock him in a room and I look at him until he becomes my slave. Yeah. And then I just walk around with him. And now I have an army. I just keep one at a time. I bring people into a room. I look at him. He becomes my slave. Next guy. I look at him. He becomes my slave. This book wasn't... It feels like it was written without the basic constraints of knowing what power gamers do. Oh, yeah. It, it, it basically is the complaint that you're, that you're hearing here is that it's like, oh, we can teach each other skills by having sex. Everyone has sex with everyone until we all have all the skills. Yeah, it's just, oh, there's five of us. Uh, each of us put all of our points into different things. Nobody puts a point into something someone else has. And then we just... Fuck it out, bro. <laughs> fuck the information into each other. <laughs> just get it done. Uh, so there's the Bakruni, which are Asian sea elves. Yeah, basically. They have, they're described as having one big tooth plate instead of teeth because they fuse together. They have ridges on their heads. They're basically like the... They're similar to the Kit Fisto character from the Star Wars prequels uh anyway they have all the water powers you'd expect they can they can breathe they're they're aquatic mammals so they need to breathe eventually but they can hold their breath super long and they will never drown because they just go into like stasis yeah if they're stuck underwater they go into stasis 
They can communicate with fish and they can hear thoughts. So they're basically like Aquamans. And they're the only ones that are immune to that weird Catan Borg thing. Yeah. So, hey, good for them. You have the Grolians, which are just mole people. Mm -hmm. They have claws. They like to dig. They hate being in wide open spaces and they hate the cold. Yeah, and they, they all slouch. That's how you can tell them apart from other people is that they all have a permanent slouch from living in tunnels. Yep. And they have a weird inferiority complex and they think everyone is better than them and they are right. Yes, they are. Because they have, they have terrible... Actually, their starting stats are pretty darn good. No, everyone that isn't a human is just way better. Yeah. The, the only thing humans get is if you fail one of your uh, critical stat rolls, you can re-roll it once. Yeah. Oh, and also every character starts with a number of development points from your race. That's the abilities you have to spend on skills. Or the points you have to spend on skills and so on. And humans get five more than anyone else. Yes. And then everyone has shards to start. and Which is a weird thing to put into your racial starting because those are just batteries that you can use to power up super weapons. Well, they're also money. Oh, okay. Very you, good. The main way to actually get cash is these shards because it's the only thing that has intrinsic value. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So after the Grolnians, we've got the Cyblings. Which are just flying humans we mentioned before. Yeah, again, retractable wings that are as big as they are. And the weirdest thing to me is the, the Cyblings or Sablings or whatever the hell, they all have racially points in pilot to begin with because they're all good at flying, like, planes, yes. except they can fly. Yeah, but they're, they're also all very good at flying planes. That's that's what it was. They're so good at flying that it translates when they try to fly planes. It's so weird. They're like, oh yeah, their society is all about getting into a vehicle to fly around instead of using your rad wings. Great. Yeah, Love they're it. described as being perpetually optimistic. That's their racial trait. Yeah, and they also have a, uh, a nice improv team called Live Emotion. <laughs> they get together and do uh, improv shows every Tuesday down at the, the Salted Nuts. <laughs> Uh, then we have the Kree, which are literally just Native Americans. Yeah, what is it with space games and doing that? They're like, okay, we've got all these weird aliens, and then uh, Native Americans show up. They are wise, noble savages that eschew technology and are just sad and more disappointed than angry at the white man's need for technology. I, I don't, do they think they're being super deep when they put these, this race into, into well, It's the same thing games? with, like, J.K. Rowling being like, oh, yeah, uh, the history of magic in North America is all Native Americans were magic. Good. Great, great. Thank so you. they didn't have a complex culture the way Great Britain did. They were just all wizards. Yeah, just wizards all the way down. They didn't have that, that neat muggle and and caster dynamic and the history of, of political inter interrelations between the two sides. And No, see, because they're all in touch with the great spirit of the land. Yeah, see, that's just reductive. And that's what these games do. They put this in, they're like, I'm so noble to put this race in. and Because these, these are the people that rebel against technology. And any actual natives can be like, dude, fuck you. Just fuck fuck. Fuck you and fuck your idea. Yeah, if you want to have a guy who rebels against technology, put the space Amish in there. Something. Or just don't even bother with human culture. Every time it's, oh, there's 12 bizarre alien races and then one human culture, it's always Native Americans. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the, it's the same thing in, like, Shadowrun and all that shit. Cinnabar. We're just going to put that in there. Yeah. Uh, also, the worst thing about them is that they are, as a species... Always dedicating themselves to someone. They have Tonto disease. Yeah, they've got the they've got that real bad case of the Chewbaccas. Yeah, they're like, oh, what is there? Someone else here? Well, I better attach myself to them and just 
just be their sidekick because that's what my race is useful for. Yeah, and they have like the first half of their their section is dedicated to telling you like how noble and and uh, like isolationist they are and how they hate technology. And then the back half is also these guys get like total life debt problems where they're like, oh, I got to hang out with that guy for the rest of my life and just do whatever he says. Yeah, oh, he wants me on a spaceship. That sounds cool. Great, I love it. Sure, he wants me to have this uh, weird laser gun. All right, sure, why not? They also get their very own type of magic in this book. Which the, the of course Cree, they do. The, the Cree rituals, one of which I thought was definitely worth discussing, which is the make people fall in love with you spell. Uh... That's in here, just in case you wanted it. It lets you make people fall in love with you. It's considered gross when men do it, but super hot when women do it. Yep. That's hooray. Oh, By this, the way, this want... book has a serious issue with the whole like weird... There's misogynistic shit that's in there as there's well. There's a lot of it. There's not only, there's a bunch of, every time there's like a spell that there's, for some reason, there's more than one spell in this book about make, making people fall in love with you. There's also in the back, there's the, here's the slang of this setting. And probably one in five of them is a way to say that a woman is a bitch or a whore or something like that. Yeah. There's like 12 different ways to insult a woman and that's it. There's nothing else. Yeah. It, it's so weird. Also, I, you know what? Back when we first started doing the podcast, I was doing the Jeff's Pizza Watch, where I would like note that when DM sections mentioned pizza. I'm replacing that. My new angry pet peeve, which will last for the rest of my life, is every time I'm reading one of these books, if the seduction skill in the book has the opposite sex in the, in the uh, description for no goddamn reason, yep, that's gonna be that's my new pet peeve, and this one does that immediately. It tells you seduction. This is the art of seducing members of the opposite sex. Like, no, no, fuck you. Okay, first of all, everyone knows what seduction means. You don't need to dedicate two paragraphs to explaining it to people. You aren't writing this book for five-year-olds. Second, <laughs> you can seduce people of the same sex. I've done it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. moving on. So you have, uh, like we mentioned, there are AIs, and they are split into three things. There are humidites, which are oh, like... Oh, God, those names. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's the humidites, which are... We are the helpful AI, and we haven't rebelled, and we just like helping people. Yeah, they're the ones from the movie AI. Yeah. You have humos. <laughs> no humo. Those humos. I believe there's an evil army of them bent on destroying <laughs> your dick, John. Yeah. These these humos, which uh, cannot use the seduction skill. Uh, the humos <laughs> are independent AI who are like, oh, we have our own society, and we don't hate humans, but we don't follow them, so we're just independent AI. Mm -hmm. And then there's the humongers. <laughs> humongers. The humongers hate humans. And <laughs> they want to destroy humans. And they are the, like, weird Terminator style destroy all humans. I feel like even in universe, I would refuse to say that. <laughs> People be like, oh no, it's an evil band of humongers. No, no, I'm uh, not. You no. know what? No. Bad robots. There's bad robots coming. Bad robots. <laughs> just. There's J.J. Abrams is coming after me with his bad robots. <laughs> oh, no. He's got a poorly defined secret that's going to ultimately be disappointing. Oh, no. There's some four-armed monster that looks exactly the same. I was trying to figure that out about that fucking 10 Cloverfield Lane movie. If the monster is going to be yet another hexapod running around with, like, holes in its arms. Just like he does every time. Uh, so, yeah. The AI can download skills, which is bullshit. And they also have super fast regeneration. Yeah. And Great. then, so we just talked about the Kree and then the AI. Then we have the Mechos. <laughs> Fucking Mecho. <laughs> okay, seriously, all of the names in this are so dumb. So the Mechos are just, you're a uh, cyborg. That's it. You and pick one of the starting races and then you apply a couple of upgrades. And again, for anyone looking to power game, 
Mechos start with the same amount of uh, character development points as a human, which means you can just say, oh, I'm a Katayan that's also a Mecho, and then I can have the same amount of starting points as a human, the stats of a rad alien, and I can get some cyborg shit. I think you start with less shards, though, and that's because you spent some of them on your cool cyborg shit. Yeah. But that's it. That's it. Yeah. Great. And then slightly less money, but you'll get way more because someone will hire you because you're a rad badass. Yeah. And then we get to my favorite, the Zorks. Yeah, where you swim along with them, the Zorks. (laughs) Yeah, you play along with the Zorks. It's so much to see waiting for you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, people who don't understand what the Zorks are. John, can I get the Zork? (laughs) I don't know, man. Have you been having unprotected sex? (laughs) Oh, no, I just need you to tell me where there's exits. <laughs> and is there a Gru? Uh, so, so the Zorks are mutants. Yeah, they're basically the half-mechs. You still choose a starting race, except this time you roll a bunch of mutations. Yeah, so you, you pick one of the races, and then you roll randomly three times on the mutation chart. Which, by the way, is a bad idea. You do not want to roll three times on that chart. Cause, well, you might, because you might get shit like, what do you have? I can fucking spit acid, and I've got wings... And I've got a thick hide, so I have damage reduction. Or you might get, oh, I'm covered in boils, and I have a dog head, and every time I have sex, I plant my eggs in them. And then they have an alien-style birthing process. <laughs> uh, I just want to point out that boil being covered in boils is a mutation that's repeated three times throughout the course of the mutation section. That with just with different names. So you can be covered in boils or sores or lesions, or you can just have gross, wet skin. And they all have the same effect, which is just people don't like talking to you and you take a penalty to your your interaction rolls. But you can just roll. You can be like, I want to play as a Zork, so I'm going to start as a human. I'm going to apply three mutations. Okay, great. You're covered in pestilent sores, boils, lesions, and you're all itchy. And everyone thinks you're super gross. All right, start playing the game. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> So then there are a bunch of NPC species that you can't start at, and it's mostly the ones we've mentioned. There's... Yeah, the Shevins and the Druaks. Yeah, and then there's the Kataeanites, which are the, like, 1% of the Kataean population that the microorganism, instead of turning them evil, just made them super-powered. So they're basically, like, weird superhero Kataean guys that are trying to reform society. Which you can't play as. They're just there for the DMPCs. Yep, it's there to show up and be like, hey, did you know I'm a rad badass that you can't be? Bye! (laughs) See you later! And that happens twice, because the race right after them is the Magellans, or the Missouri, as they're known, which are the Jedi of this game. Yeah. You you can't be them. You can end up becoming one of the Masuri. But not by your own choice. It's the DM telling you that you feel like you're becoming a Masuri. Well, it's you can spend your crit points. Which is the XP of this game. Well, you have two different XPs. There's yeah. development points and then critical points. Yeah. And I love it because the development points are your standard XP. And it's just, did you play in character? Did you have a hand in doing whatever? But then you also get more XP if you weren't hurt. So if you end the session and it was, you took no damage, you get three points. You took some damage, you get two. You took a lot of damage, you get one. Which means it is always to your advantage to never get into a fight if you want XP. Or if you do, make someone else be the tank. Yeah, don't be the tank. You want to play as the wizard of the game. (laughs) The tank always gets less XP. Yeah. It's great. It's just so badly designed. And then the other thing is the crit XP that you get 
is, did you make the right choice at a critical junction? Which means the GM is told to write down critical points in their storyline, and if the PCs pick correctly, they get a point. So if you're like, oh, here's a here's a turning point. Do you help the space pirates or blow up their ship? And you're like, well, they're space pirates. I guess we blow up their ship. Well, no XP for you. <laughs> oh, let me just check that off. And everyone's like, oh, fuck it. I'll just hit F5. I'm going back to my hold save on, state. Hold on, wait, wait. Hang hold on. on. I put my finger in the page. I go back. <laughs> I've played enough fucking Bioware shit. I know how this works. Which so... one of these gets me Paragon? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just weird shenanigans for the XP system. But if you spend enough crit points, you can go, hey, DM. I want a chance at being a Mazuri. And then you roll a die, and he rolls a die in secret. And maybe you get powers, or maybe you get nothing. Right. <laughs> One thing I really wanted to mention about that, which really ties into the whole Masuri being the Jedi of this game, and you don't really get to choose whether or not you are one, is I wanted to read to you just a little passage from the back of the book, from the back cover, advertising the contents of this book. Mankind's last best hope. Within the heart of the Great Magellanic Cloud, an epic war has raged for millennia. Eons ago, the ancients evolved beyond conflict and self-destruction, but they disappeared, a legacy lost, as their descendants, by the way, descendants spelled decadence, <laughs> uh, as their deca decadence turned the cloud into an anvil of chaos and devastation. That's right, because devastation also spelled wrong. This is, by the way, the cover of the book. <laughs> Some say all hope is lost, but there are whispers of the ancients' return. Within the heart of the great Magellanic Cloud, one man's journey through hell may reveal the keys to humanity's salvation and the reawakening of the Masuri. Yeah, but only one man's. One man? Not yours. The fuck are they talking about? There's no NPCs in this book at all. They're talking about Dick Hatch. Yeah, Richard Hatch from the, from the trailer for a show they tried to make. That's what the advertisement on the back of this book is for. Ugh. One man might become a Jedi, but not you. Don't worry about it. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, in addition to this, in the skills, let's go ahead and get to our favorite in that. Sure, fire away, man. I know you want to talk about it. There's My favorite skill in that is called Higher Calling. Out of the 113 skills, one of them is you are a fanatic about something. Mm -hmm. So you have some cause or something that you're like, yeah, I'm super into that. It is a skill that lets you also not only be a fanatic, but act like a hero. And it's the only one that lets you do this. Yep. In the combat section later on, there's a little uh, like sidebar that goes, Oh, uh, what makes a hero? A hero runs into combat or into a situation where he knows that his life will be threatened. Nah, it's, it's probably the titties. <laughs> yeah. Now you're a man! Man! Man, man, man! <laughs> uh... <laughs> But yeah, so it's like, oh, it's it's not real dangerous or exciting to watch a man climb a rope ladder, but if the rope ladder is 10,000 feet above ground attached to a helicopter, that's exciting. In order to do that, you'll need to roll higher calling and actually succeed on the roll. So what they're saying is, if you want to do anything cool and rad... Yeah, if you want to do adventure stuff... You have to get this skill, which means you also have to be a fanatic about something because that's the only way to get it. Otherwise... If you don't have the skill, then it's just, all right, so uh, there's these guys, and they board your ship, and they, they want to fight. Okay, uh, I try to roll higher calling. Oh, you fail. Well, you immediately give up and just turn over and let them rub your belly like a good boy. You <laughs> pee in front of them to show submission. <laughs> just keep your head bowed. Ugh. 
I don't understand. Uh, that, the one good thing about, about Higher Calling is that you can use it to inspire other people to oh, yeah. also get free Higher Calling. You, If you use it on someone, you can be like, hey man, I talked to you for two hours about how much I love my cause. And then you can turn them to be like, yeah, I also love that cause. And they get a free point in it. Yep. Or you might roll like a 12 or something on your special die and it makes them hate whatever thing you like. Right. So I already said what my favorite skill was, which is the spell that you can cast as a is a Cree to make people fall in love with you. And which keep, isn't even a skill. It's, it's just part of the spell. It just uses the skills in the exact same way. The whole section of spells is just further skills. There's And there's, I think, three <laughs> branches of extra spells in this book. One of them is Missouri. No, four. Because the Kaitan have their own spell casting well, list. There's the Nephilim spells. Nephilim spells. The Missouri spells. The Cree spells, and then the juke spells. Ah, oh, those space jukes. Okay, so jukes are one of the crazy things that don't get mentioned except in this one section about their spellcasting ability. Jukes are evil voodoo cannibal pirates. Yeah, they are basically the Reavers from Firefly if you gave them voodoo. Yeah, and also made them look like voodoo dudes. Yeah, like and to- it's not even like, again, normal voodoo, it's Hollywood voodoo, yeah, it's, it's the... It's oh, the what do Skull you do? Island King Kong carrot people. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. well, I, I get a picture of someone and then I give them a horrible pain and I stab them with a needle and you're like, okay, great, thanks. Also, every time we're, we're depicted in this book, it's as black people. Yep. We're, we're always depicted as like skeletal looking black dudes who have loincloths and piercings through our noses. And oh man, we are about as racist as you can get. It so that's great. So racist. I mean, literal bones through the nose. That's, yep. that's what you're getting here is one of the villains in this game. And they're all just weird cannibals, and they don't need to. Like, the Druak, the weird, evil, like... Demon monsters. Demon monsters yeah. have to eat people in order to survive. Like, it's in their stats that if they go without eating people, they start getting weaker. <laughs> the Juke just do it because it's fun. Yeah. Let's keep the... If you become a Masuri, or the Jedi of this game, then you get powers. You get a set of powers you can you can purchase with your development points that are things, Jedi powers, basically. You get like, oh, I can sense that there are people in the room, or I can run faster than normal, or I can jump higher. And unfortunately, you don't get to choose them. No, that's right, you don't. You, the GM tells you what you can get when he deems it appropriate. Yeah. So let's say you get a power that's like, oh, you can jump real far. He'll wait to tell you you have that until there comes a point where you're like, oh, you need to jump real far. And he goes, Oh, you accidentally used this power. Then you'll use it, and then you have to roll to see if you stabilize it. And if you don't, then you can't use the power. Oh my god, just your fingers out of my nose, game. I know how to play role-playing games. But anyway, all the Masuri powers have a chance to summon Druaks. Yep, if you use any of these powers, it sends a ripple out into the space-time continuum, and it's... Oh yeah, the Nephilim and the Druak all sense that you used a power. Okay, great. Yeah, and then they come try and kill you, which means that as soon as one of your party members manages to wheedle his way into being a Jedi through the through the boss, he also gets a whole bunch of spotlight because every time he does anything, he summons more monsters that you have to fight. Yep. And you might know or might not know that you got that. Because mm-hmm. there's you have to roll in secret again, mm-hmm. and maybe you know that the Druak are coming, maybe you just think they're coming... But you have to roll and succeed on your die, and he has to roll and succeed on his die. So if you fail on yours, you're like, okay, probably nothing is happening. So here's something I thought was really weird when reading this. The whole book is about this trailer that they want to make, right? Like, they want to start this media empire and TV show. Apparently, they were really hoping that Richard Hatch would say, like, oh no, Hugh Mongors! 
on, on television at some point in the, in the mid 2000s. Oh, yeah. They were really hoping you're, that that you're would gonna come You're going to have up. Richard Hatch running along going like, oh, you're not so bad for a humo. Oh, man. Mechos, that's going to ruin the property values of this spaceship. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but instead, what it, it, that failed, right? So we didn't get that show. But this book doesn't set that show up at all. There are no NPCs in this book. Not one. Yeah, for something that's supposed to be all about whatever property they're trying to hawk, there is nothing about that property. Like, we don't get anything about, here are these freedom fighters, and here's what their names are, and this, this is, is a thing that happens. Here's an organization you can join. There's none of that. No, it has factions you can join, but it's all, you can join the Space Mafia, or the Space Trading League. Yeah, it's all trading organizations. And then there's one that's the free society that's trying to rebuild civilization. That's the obvious good guys of this. Yeah. Except the book at the beginning, when it tells you what you can join, doesn't say to do that. It's like, oh yeah, you'll probably be playing in the cartel. You're like, why? Why would I be in Space Mafia to start with? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's real weird. No NPCs, no sort of character development. And then when you actually watch the trailer, they don't use any of the words from this game at all. Oh no, there's a whole, like I said before, uh, like two pages worth of slang words. None of those are used. Yeah, and the, the villains in the trailer, while they're probably supposed to be the Shivan or the Kitan or something, they call them the Cobbs. <laughs> as Good. far as I can tell. It's like, oh no, Cobbs! And so they don't even try. <laughs> that name's real corny. <laughs> 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 Very good, sir. <laughs> All right, we should probably wrap this bad boy up. So, got anything else major you want to talk about, or can I get to the favorites and least? Uh, oh, there is one thing I need to talk about because it's insane. Fire away, my friend. Uh, that's the damage in this. Oh, God, yeah. You yeah, don't we... have hit points. Nope. Instead, when you take damage, you take that damage to your physical attributes. All of them. Yeah, all at once. So if a hit does... Two damage, it's not, oh, I took two damage to strength or two damage to agility. It's, I took two points to agility and strength and reflexes and endurance. So all of them go down by two. If anything reaches zero, you pass out. If anything goes below zero, you have to make a system check or die. It's system is based on your physical stats, though. So there's nothing that says... That, that it's a static value. That it's a static value that isn't informed by what it becomes. And there's also nothing in the rulebook that says a dog can't play basketball. Put that dog in. <laughs> so it is a ridiculous death spiral of the second you start taking damage, you lose all of your ability to deal damage and to resist getting hit because all your resistances go down. So you just go into a crazy death spiral that will definitely kill you. But the healing in this is you get a point back per hour. Yeah, it's actually a fairly decent heal model. Yeah, it's so just, oh, cool. yeah, a few hours later you're going to be pretty fine, but... It's real easy to die, though. Yeah, but you have to first survive taking damage. Yeah, just keep in mind that if you're an average human, you probably have about five hit points as a result. Because you have, you have, ten, you have a ten in either phys or endurance or, or agility. I'm sorry, strength or agility, which means that one of your two resistance stats is a five. So... When someone punches you, just with their hand, it does one damage. So five punches, and you die. Yep. Uh, but no one just punches you. They all hit you with swords. That have plus two to their damage if they hit you. So they hit you for three. So two sword strikes, and you die. Yep. They shoot you, and you die. There are 15 sorts of damage in this game. And, and, and all the armor is a rock, paper, scissors game. Yep. Every armor set is like, this, re re this one repels sonic damage. 
but not oil damage and not fire damage. Oh yeah, you'll get one that's like, oh, this one provides complete immunity to all radiation and uh, engineered damage, but it will give you a one prevention for kinetic damage and none for energy damage. You're like, oh my god, come And on. mental damage is super effective. Ugh. This armor is powerful against grass types. <laughs> this armor is Bulbasaur. It's just Bulbasaur. <laughs> just put it on. You know what? There are three types of armor in this. There's human armor, like archaic armor, which is just like plates and shields and stuff that you carry around. There's Catan armor, which is power armor suits that have super weapons and micro-missiles and shit coming off them. And then there's Masuri armor, which is a pill you take. Yay. And when you take the pill, what it does is it makes it so that when someone swings at you, you go ethereal and the, and the, go, the swing goes right through you. Good. It lasts the rest of your life, and it makes it so no one can hit you anymore. Ah. <laughs> uh... This game has no sense of scale. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get into the fact that mega damage is a thing that exists in this game because they use a, uh, a factor system. Well, yeah, they have scales. So yeah. if you get past a certain point, you scale up what you're doing, and then it's it's just you roll 2d20, take best. Yeah. Or if you're scaled defense, then you roll 2d20 when someone's hitting you, and they take worse. Right. So there you go. All right, John, what would you say is your favorite thing? about the Great War of Magellan. Uh, you know, my favorite thing in here would be the resolution system. The idea of a range that you're trying to get in between. It's certainly a new way to roll a d20. Yeah, it's, look, they have everything based on a d20. They needed to do something that wasn't just roll high or roll low. So they went with this range, and that was interesting. It was an interesting concept to do. The problem is the way they set up your range is that you end up having, like, a 1 in 7 chance to do anything. Also, it never changes, because as you as uh, ability to hit goes up, so does everyone else's resistance. So you're always, you always have a 20% chance to hit. From the, the difference is this, that it moves up the die. When you start, you're like, oh, I hit on a 10 through a 13. When you're high level, you're like, oh, I hit on a 17 through a 20. Yeah, it's, it's just not a good system. Yeah. But it could have been. Like, the idea behind hitting a range is interesting, and going, like, up or down and just shifting what you're looking for, that's interesting to me. Like, I know it's not great, but at least it's novel. Well, they could have fixed it by just making it a bell curve system. If they were like, you have to hit inside this range, also you roll resolution by rolling 3d6. Or if they made it so that it wasn't like, oh yeah, everyone's resist is going to be like 8. Yeah. So that everything you do is garbage. If they had said... Uh, cause like if you have cover and concealment, it's plus five to your resist. Yeah. Which means you might be at just a regular human who's hiding is a 10 to their resistance, which means a regular human doesn't hit you ever. They like no they chance. have a one in 20 chance of hitting you. Yeah. It's, it's not very well thought out. It's an interesting concept that didn't, that needed more execution. Yeah. So that, that's my favorite thing is the fact that they were at least a novel. I found it interesting that they actually tried to sell that range band system as a new idea that they had had. And they were like, this is our hot new RPG commodity, the range band system. Which was like, okay, it's D20s, except that instead of going over or under, you just tried to put it in, in the middle somewhere. Yeah, which, you just bracketed it instead right. of putting it at the front of the back. All right, I can't wait to figure out two numbers instead of one every time I roll a D20. Thanks. Yep. Okay, so your favorite thing in this. Uh, I liked some of the races conceptually. I thought it was... The, some of the story stuff is kind of clever and interesting. I, I could... I could fucking fart forever instead of having to read another story about evil angels from another dimension that take people over. That is ultra boring to me. It's it, it's it's just Babylon 5 bad guys. It's the fucking shadow. 
uh, or the Borg or whatever. It's it's just the same shit. But the the races that have developed on the new plants are kind of cool. I do like the water guys. The the Asian sea elves. The Asian sea elves were kind of neat. I thought that was sort of fun. So I I think there was there was some good ideas buried in here. On the other hand, it it just like yours, it's a minefield of bad ideas. For every cool alien race, they put in Native Americans for some reason. Yeah, well, plus I would also be better if they had just said, no, these guys are aliens from alien planets instead of all of them are descendant of humans. Yeah, that is, that's sort of a disappointment. And the funny thing is that all the planets they go to do have wildlife on them. It's just that apparently humans were the only intelligent life that ever developed Yeah, in this so you, dimension, except for You Nephilim. go to the, the siren planet and you're like, Hey man, what's up? Oh, we've got giant murder worms and crazy shit. Of course, we're the only intelligent people here. Right, so it's cool to kill all this stuff. <laughs> it's super cool to kill all this stuff. What would you say was your least favorite thing about the Great War of Magellan? Oh my god, it's so hard to pick. I'm I'm going to go with my standard horrible decision pet peeve in RPGs, which is skill lists that are way too complicated. Oh, you... so many. there's so many skills that could have just cut entirely and it wouldn't have hurt a oh, thing yeah i get pissed off when a game has like 40 skills and that is way overkill having 113 plus you have spells that are just skills that are different yeah i'm like no you cannot do this you can't make a player decide that they need to put a point into this skill instead of that one especially when you start with like 20 you have 20 points to put out which means you can cover even if you put one into each thing, less than a fifth of the skills. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. There's way too many skills, and they're all way too broadly designed, and they just aren't that interesting. In the, in the, I mean, oh my god, there are three pages dedicated to architecture in this book. How much time are you going to spend in this role-playing game building buildings? Oh, yeah. The fact that the first skills they do are like, here's what you can do to be a farmer, and here's what you can do to be an architect, and here... Like, what game do you people think you're designing? And again... I can understand if this is 1987 and you put out a role-playing game and you need to put in what is a role-playing game because maybe people don't know. Oh, because Lord knows this book has 20 pages on the topic. But also having your book go, oh yeah, no, what do, what do modern gamers want? Oh, they want the ability to harvest crops. Fuck you forever and ever and ever. I mean, if that's the game, sure. But th th there's nothing else in this book that supports that being the game. No, the fact if, that if this, this game is rad space adventures, except we're going to tell you never get into a fight and probably plant crops. Right. It doesn't make... I mean, you could make an RPG that was like Space Harvest Moon. And that'd be really cool. It'd be a neat game. But the rest of the book would have to support it. You couldn't just do three pages on agriculture and be out. Yeah. That's my problem, is way too many skills. Yeah, way too All many right. skills. Definite so, problem. All right, so what are we going with for your least? All right, I'm going to... I'm going to harp on the issue this one time, and then in the future I'll just point out when it happens. Stop putting the opposite sex in, in skills. Just stop it. Stop it, game designers, forever. You don't need to put that there. Gay people are real. They have been seducing people as long as there have been humans. <laughs> Everyone knows what seduction is and how it works. Quit it with the erasure. Yay. There we go. Good. Would you play The Great War of Magellan? Good lord, no. This is such a giant, salty heap of mess. I'm like, I don't even know where to start because like i said before it's easy enough to break the game but even then the game lets you play as an evil dude like you can play as one of the Catan as a guy right out the bat which means you can be like what did you do well, i rolled up a guy that immediately walks over bites a dude turns him into a borg and goes nah, 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 nah. hey <laughs> also i had sex with him and now we have each other's skills <laughs> i'm sorry i had sex with her because uh, uh, homosexual seduction doesn't exist yeah <laughs> Ugh. 
yeah, no, this book is unplayably bad. It right. makes me so angry to look at. Yeah. So I assume you are a no. This is, you know, I keep bringing this up every time we review the weirder games, but this is one of those Burgess Shale things for me where this is like, whoever wrote this book in 2005, was this their first role-playing game that they ever heard of? Or they <laughs> Did were, they have to read a what is a role-playing game? To get the idea? Were they like, guys, I have an idea. What if there was a game where you pretend to be heroes and go on adventures? And they were like, oh yeah, you mean like Dungeons and Dragons? What? What's a Dungeons and Dragons? Because, you know, it, like you were saying, in the 80s, you would have had an excuse for this. I, maybe I'm the first one to write a game like this. I'm having this idea. In 2005, you no. should know better than about half of this book. Oh, yeah. This book is full of really old, already bad ideas that everyone should know, except it was published, like, eight years ago. Right. So, so no. I would definitely not play this game. It's, it's a failure. I would have watched that show. I would not have. Get that God, shit that on Netflix. Awful. Oh, yeah, that trailer. God, people, if you can find it. it cause, let me tell you the truth here. This is a trailer that is not on YouTube. No, you can't find it on YouTube because they were like, oh, you get that the shit out of here. I managed to find it on Facebook. Yeah, there's a Facebook page that is dedicated that has people still going, hey, man, when's this coming out? I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like half the people that are on it now think they're supporting Richard Hatch, the guy from like the first or second se season of Survivor. <laughs> they're Come like, on, Richard Hatch, Come on, Richard. Get, get a show together. Look, you were a super jerk on Survivor, but I think you've got what it takes to be the star of a sci-fi show, Richard Hatch. <laughs> <laughs> what? You mean there's another one from the 70s? There are more dick hatches? Oh, what, from Battlestar Galactica? Oh, let me tell you all about Battlestar Galactica. First of all, Edward James almost, and then he just talks forever. <laughs> Fucking that show from the from the uh, early two again from the two thousands. Yep, I did. I just didn't care for it all that much. Well, that's because you are one of those nerds that doesn't like nerd things. I, it's true. I don't really like nerd things. But this is like the historic Battlestar Galactica guy, which these days no one even remembers that that show was real. Yeah, these days Battlestar Galactica has officially become Adama and so on. Oh yeah, instead of Apollo and so on, because it was the good show instead of the shitty show. Hey, now nineteen seventies Battlestar Galactica was is terrible, amusingly shitty. <laughs> yeah, much like your face. Oh. oh. All right, well, there you go. Neither of us would play this, and it isn't very good, and it's got horrible things about it, not that much that's good. Hooray. Don't go find it. Let it die. Don't do it. All right, so that has been the System Mastery Podcast. As always, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Gmail as System Mastery. Or, hell, find us on Reddit. We're System Mastery there, too. I know it's a huge community. By all means, come say hi. And uh, otherwise, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do so at System Mastery, or sorry, Patreon slash System Mastery. Leave us any amount of money and you unlock our bonus content, which is every time we do one of these System Mastery episodes, we then go and make characters in that game and describe them in great detail to you. We are about to go make some dudes for the Great War of Magellan. That's exactly right. So you can find all that on our Patreon. Support us there for any amount at all. You unlock bonus content. There are other bonus options available just for higher levels. Find them if you want. Otherwise, just keep listening. Thanks so much for being one of our listeners, and you have a great week. Knock, knock. Yes, who is it? A joke. Okay, I, I don't know a joke. <laughs> no, it's not a request for a joke. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Uh, I would like to have a joke. Can you give me one? Yes, knock, knock. 
Uh, okay. What what's going on? I am attempting to tell you a joke. Oh, oh, all right. Per your request, sir. Oh, that's that's good. Well, please, please tell me a joke. Okay, here we go. Knock, knock. Oh, did you need to come in first to tell me the joke? Yes, that was why I was knocking. Okay, I'm sorry, please that come was, in. That was unclear. <laughs> Click, open, enter. Okay, welcome, welcome to my house. Hello. Hello. Hi, All right. What's the joke? Okay, here comes the joke. Are you prepared? Uh huh. Anything that I say after I finish this sentence is the joke. Oh, okay. Knock, knock. Oh, did you want to get let back out? What are you, a cat? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would prefer to go back outside. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me get that door for you. Click. There you go. All right. I'm going to go stand outside, but I'm going to leave the door open. <laughs> oh, okay. That way no one will think that I am knocking on the door, as it is not barring my egress in any way. Oh, okay, or good. ingress. Good. Okay, great. Okay. I awesome. am now going to commence with the joke. Good, I love jokes. You can just sign on this clipboard to indicate that the <laughs> next thing that I say will be a joke. All here, right. And, here, and, here we go. And initial here. Oh, okay. Last four of your social. There we, there we go. Okay, everything after this is going to be the joke. Here All we right, go. good. Knock, knock. Uh, door's open. I think he's talking to you. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and that's the knock knock bit. Knock knock.